Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This is AppSats Radio, help for partners after sexual betrayal. We talk about it here. Betrayal trauma. We are AppSats certified clinical partner specialists and coaches who have been trained to help navigate you through this crisis. There is nothing we won't talk about. Sometimes listeners want to know about triggers. I'm dealing with the aftermath of my husband's affairs, and he still works the same job that he did when he was acting out. It's a job that allows him to hide his goings-on and one that he stated was the previous trigger for his acting out. The whole 16 and a half years we've been together, he's acted out. In the beginning, what I thought it was was just pornography. Um, it ended up being, I found out two and a half years ago, he had been with multiple prostitutes. I only found out a very small portion of that until about a month ago. How do you cope with all of that when you still have to deal with unavoidable triggers? Well, of course you would feel traumatized by hearing all that information. And I got to tell you, Stephanie, that's a staggered disclosure. That's finding out little bits and pieces about your husband's behavior throughout a time period, making you feel insecure, unsure, and unsafe. So what we got to do is set up a situation whereby you get with a specialist to do a formal disclosure so you can hear everything at one time in a safe environment. What I know to be true is that it is so very important. You know, I'm, I'm a coach. And that means that I help take people to the next level. And that's in situations where there isn't trauma. And so when I'm working with a client, I will say, tell me about your environment. For instance, I'll just give you a little background on me just for a second. Um, I have two homes, one in Florida and one here. And the Florida house that I have, we run out one, two, or three months a year. And I'm really missing Florida. And so I bought a new digital frame. I've got one here that I've had running since March of last year when COVID hit. But something's wrong with it. It will only let me play about 30 pictures. So I bought another little frame. Actually, the other one's pretty big, but this one's little. And I've got uh, about 300 pictures on it. I'm looking right now at a multicolored canopy of umbrellas with some bikes parked in front. And I don't mean bicycles, I mean bicycles. And it just makes me smile. And so I'm going to ask you, when you think about your environment, what makes you smile? What makes you know that it will be that your ability to smile is dependent on the environment that you create that helps you to be safe and that produces dopamine in your brain in a good way, you know? Is it the beach? Is it your dog? Is it riding bikes? Is it paddle boarding? Is it your kids? Is it your friends? 
What makes you happy? That's your homework assignment, to decide what is it that makes you happy, right? Because when you're happy, well, when you're happy, then what we know to be true is that you're a much more pleasant, happier person to be around. All right. You know, I got an email from a woman. We will um, call her Amy. And Amy said, I found your podcast this morning and have listened to many of the episodes. I'm the betrayed in coaching with someone certified by APSAT. Okay, so she is getting some coaching with someone certified by APSAT. She's in a therapeutic group. She's in a 12-step program. And her husband has been seeing an ASEC therapist for several weeks. Now, you remember we talked about sexuality last week on the show when we had Alex Katahakis on. And we talked about the fact that ASEC stands for the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists, an amazing group of people. But Amy says, I've just done some digging on ASEC. Now, I don't want you to get that confused with APSEC. That's, that's who sponsors this show. Um, ASEC, the ASEC philosophy, and I'm shocked, has sent me into panic mode um, for a variety of reasons. And then she says, ASEC does not believe in sex addiction. And I don't want my husband working with anybody who doesn't believe in sex addiction because I don't want them to enable him not to get the work. Now, my husband says he feels safe with this therapist because she doesn't shame his behavior, like he said that a CSAT did. And he feels like he will be able to get to the why, why he's engaged in out-of-control behavior or at least why he was engaged in out-of-control behavior, mostly porn, masturbating, and some chatting. I'm curious, Carol, what is your perspective as a professional on therapists that are certified in this model? My husband keeps saying it's science-based, and they are helping him look at his childhood trauma that leads to these behaviors. And he said his CSAT didn't. Truth of the matter is, um, you heard me say, I think ASECT is a wonderful organization. See, I'm an emotionally mature therapist, and I don't have to be a hater. I don't have to hate a group that doesn't believe um, in compulsive sexual problematic behavior or sex addiction, even though that is my um, belief. ASEC has worked diligently on not pathologizing sexual behavior, and so they don't believe, and they have a mission statement on their website, they don't believe, too, um, should call this thing sexual addiction, that's pathology, uh, any Sexual behavior should not be pathologized. They don't think there's anything wrong with porn. 
they don't think that that this compulsivity can lead to the types of problems that perhaps I do. Now, the truth of the matter is, no matter how you've been trained, as a therapist, you can deviate from that. You have heard Dr. Crystal Hollenbeck on both of my shows, both my podcasts, multiple times. And she's an APSAT. I think she's a CSAT. And she's an ASAT. And she obviously caters her entire practice to doing intensives for sex addiction. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, Amy. I would go in and visit with this clinician. I'd ask your husband, do you mind if you bring me along for a session so that I can interview her and, and ask her her beliefs about compulsive problematic sexual behavior? or sex addiction. And if she says what I just said, which is we don't pathologize, we don't see it as compulsive, we see it as problematic for your relationship, and we see it as maybe being a result of trauma, um, then you have to negotiate that within yourself, with your husband, and with the matter is not every therapist will see the other spouse. I mean, I make it my mission to see the spouse because I want him or her to know who's working with me. But what I do know to be true is that some therapists have very specific boundaries and they don't appreciate seeing somebody else. And so I'm hoping that she will for your sake. And if she won't, then you're going to have to figure out the situation on your own. If he's really thinking that she's helping, I think you need to trust him. You know what I mean? I mean, it's so important for you to know what the therapist that your husband is working with, how that goes. Fortunately, the therapeutic relationship does not always lend itself to that. Now, there was a little bit more that Amy wrote. She said, uh, he also keeps comparing and saying there is no one else like him. He says his behavior frequency is much less significant than everyone else's in the meetings that he really doesn't want to go to. And that they all just keep relapsing and sharing about slips and that it just feels justified because they're sharing in the meeting and and they've been forgiven. People in the meeting and 12-step meetings forgive. And he wants to stop for good and not continue in a cycle like he says those do in the 12-step programs. I'm feeling incredibly triggered that the therapy he has sought out is based on and promotes the very thing that has caused this trauma for me. I really love to hear your professional experience with this type of 12-step support. And I also want to know what you think 
about a science-based therapy which doesn't seem to be telling my husband how bad his behavior is. You know, Amy, I know you've been through a lot. I can hear it. I can feel it. And I just want to say, I don't blame you for being in that that place where you don't feel safe and you don't know that he's getting the support he needs. And it even sounds like you might be afraid of the support he's getting and the support he may choose not to get. So definitely talk to that APSAT certified coach and your therapy group and your 12-step group and see if you can't find out what may be working own life that you can count on when you can't count on what's going on with your husband. You know, that's what it always boils down to is saying to yourself, okay, what can I control, right? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change what I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. It's super important um, to be able to do that. All right. My guest has just asked for for me to send her the call-in number. So I am going to do that now. And I'm going to tell you that clearly, if you have a question and you're not able to answers in your community, then please, if you would, feel free to email me at carol at carolthecoach.com, and I'll do the best to answer those questions. Because what I know is that I've got one opinion, and somebody else might have another one. And gosh, you know, it's okay that we agree to disagree. Because the important thing is, that I know what we need to do together to make this work, right? You need to be able to know that. And we had a little technical difficulty, didn't we? But we got it back together. I'm so happy that you're with us want you to know how important it is to educate you about what resources are out there for you, for your husband, for the family, for kids. You know, it doesn't just affect one person. It affects the whole family system. And, you know, we'll tell you what books we think are really good, what is working, and what you might need to do to make it work even better. That's why, for instance, I have written books to help the addict develop empathy. I've got a really incredible um, right now that is solely working with Help or Heal. And you and I both know that when 
an addict develops empathy, he's on the way to better relational recovery. And, and my girlfriend and I, the co-author of Transformations and Unleashing Your Power, uh, those are workbooks for women on how to improve self-esteem, and Unleashing Your Power is specifically for partners we're going to be doing a workshop, a four-hour workshop, May 1st from 9 to 1 Eastern Standard Time. We know that doesn't give uh, much sleep to our Pacific Standard Time people, but we're going to set up another workshop for them. Um, and it's going to help you go through the book and fortify your sense of self, your sense of safety, your sense of stabilization, so that you can feel a little bit better about your situation. Really looking forward to that. Um, Know that it's important, if you will, to be able to um, work on yourself, develop better self-esteem, but also feel good about the things that are working in your life, right? And so... I sure do hope that you can join us for that workshop. We're limiting it to 25 people. If you want more information about it, just email me at carol at carolthecoach.com, and I will put that together specifically for you. And what what I hope is that It will increase your self-esteem. It will increase your sense of self. And you'll have a better sense of your own strength. You know, regardless of what's happened to you, you have to make the choice to take care of that brain and care of yourself. So it is so important for you to be able to do that, right? And if you don't do it, who's going to take care of you? And what I believe to be true is that when you do take care of yourself, life is not as scary and you don't have to worry as much and you just increase that quality of your life. And that's environmental, isn't it? That, that takes us right back to, to the most important element, creating a safe environment. So I have a feeling that my guests got caught up in the time change. She is not on our time change. Uh, time. So... I've texted her, and I'm just going to take over, and hopefully she's going to get back with this because she's going to be talking about sleep issues and how they can feed addiction. If you don't get the right sleep, you're much more prone to self-destructive behaviors and addiction. And if you're a partner and you're not getting the right sleep because you're in trauma brain, you're much less likely to be able to make good decisions. And it really is all about decision-making, boundaries, um, consequences, 
So I'm going to get out Unleashing Your Power, and I'm going to kind of go over some important information that I really do hope uh, that you would consider in looking at your life. There are really two kinds of partners. We always say that about sex addicts, too. There's the addicts that have had their own trauma, and their trauma oftentimes has been self-soothed by sexuality or maladaptive sexuality. And then there are many kinds of partners, but the two types I'm referencing here are the partners that had pretty healthy lives and didn't have many childhood issues. And yet, they met somebody who had this disorder, this addiction, and they were totally shocked by it. Now, if you're in some 12-step communities, you'll hear that, well, you attracted it or that was your codependency, but we at APSATS don't believe that. What we know is that an addict is an addict is an addict, and they will lie and deceive you to maintain the addiction. And there's nothing wrong with you for believing in him, his excuses, his imperfections. But if you've had earlier trauma prior to finding out that he was sex addict, you know, if you've had sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse in your past, if your parents have had very unstable lives, that makes for a much tougher, um, it makes for a much tougher roadmap to how to get out of that. And that's why books that help you work on yourself, um, that help you look at the attachment issues, that may have occurred or the abandonment that may have occurred, they, they, help, they will help you to get straight about how much damage has occurred in your life. Now, women typically do, do have attachment issues of some sort, complex post-traumatic stress from their childhood. They've got multiple, multiple layers of issues that they have to fight. And so they may need to work with an anger specialist or a grief specialist who understands partner betrayal so that they can do um, some exercises and some work around that. And in our book, Unleashing Your Power, we talk about something called the Vesuvius. And the Vesuvius is when you actually five minutes to look at another woman in the group or to have your husband come in or to bring a friend in to your coaching or therapy and fill out how you feel 100% of the time. 
you know, when partner betrayal occurs, there's usually a lot of sadness, a lot of grief, and a lot of rage. And wow, when that rage occurs, it can be very difficult to navigate. So just imagine, if you would, that you were able to write a letter, not to give to him, but to identify everything that you were mad about. And you wrote that letter, and it got you in touch with the layers and layers and layers of betrayal that may have occurred even before you met your your current husband, right? And maybe as you're doing this exercise, like my colleague did, she found that as she was yelling at her husband for betraying her, she also found that she was yelling at her mother for neglecting her. And this experiential exercise really helped her to externalize externalize all the anger and rage that laid inside of her. Now, we used to do this in women's groups, and I have to tell you, it was pretty funny. We would do them in women's groups, and it would be at night. It was from 6 to 7.30. And we would put signs in the waiting room that said, anger work ahead, please disregard the yelling and the screaming. And there would be a couple of colleagues that might have decided to work that night, and they knew we did anger work in our women's groups. But they would sit in the conceivable furthest part of the clinic. And as our women were doing their anger work, um, a man or a woman would say, what's going on over there? And the therapist would say, ah, anger work. Um, They're getting out their anger. They're externalizing it so they can let it go, release it and let it go. And they would say, I wish I could sit in on that group. Or can you sign me up for that group? And these were not women that were betrayed, but they were people that also knew that we all have reasons to be rageful. It may be as simple as, do you remember my example of, finding out I was menopausal at 28 and um, having a baby shower that night and realizing the loss and the, and, and the anger of why would my body betray me? Well, what was up with that? Did I do anything to cause that? Or maybe the anger of having to move around, you know? Do you remember you heard that story of the woman that moved around for her husband and found out he had two active affairs going after she moved moved she and the kids halfway across the country for him. So there's all sorts of reasons to be angry, and anger is in in and of itself a great emotion. It motivates you to set up boundaries. It motivates you to walk out and take a break from the marriage. It motivates you to tell the affair partner off. I mean, anger can really move you. And so, 
you want to look at anger as a friend, but you do want to release it. You don't want to hold on to the anger because that will make you sick. And nobody wants to be sick, right? They want to be emotionally and physically healthy. And so this book gives you plenty of opportunities to do anger work with a friend or in your group. Um, One of the other uh, anger exercises is repeating one or two words back and forth. For instance, when we work with a woman and we know she has anger and she needs to get it out, we ask the woman if she will bring a friend into the session. And this friend will be her support person. And it's really called a volume exercise because we want our partners to find their voices. We don't necessarily want them yelling at their husbands or their kids or their bosses, but we do want them to be able to find their voices. And so I will ask my client, think of one thing that you should have said no to. And she might say, no, I won't put up with your cheating. No, you can't treat me like that. No, I'm not going to stay in a relationship when you're not working on your recovery. You get the idea. But all she's really supposed to say is no. She has to be thinking that one primary thought in her brain. And then her friend has to say yes. She has to think of something just personally that she would say yes to. Um, And maybe that since her friend doesn't, well, it would be great if her friend had experienced betrayal. Um, And really, sometimes my clients do bring in their, their friends from group. But maybe she's, you know, the neighbor, and uh, she, said, she wants to say, yes, I do have self-respect, or yes, myself, or yes, I will take care of myself. So she thinks of one thing to say yes to, and her word is going to be yes. So my client will say no, and my client's friend will match her volume. So she'll say no. And the friend will say yes. And then the client gets louder. No. And then the client will say no. I'm sorry if you're in the car and you're probably turning this down right now. But they match each other in volume, getting louder and louder and louder. And it is amazing when you hold on to something that you have so badly wanted for your own self, a thought or a belief, what that one word can do to release cortisol, to release hidden anger, to release rage. And when that occurs, Partners feel better. 
They feel better because they've got a clear sense of their feelings, but they've also released them. And that's what we always want our clients to do. I mean, you can stay with him or you can divorce him. But we don't want you keeping those feelings locked inside. That would never work, right? So, anger exercises can be good. And uh, I'll just tell you a funny story before we end. Uh, And the funny story is, I have another exercise that follows the yes-no, and it's called, I want it, you can't have it. And so the client is to think of something that she wants, and then she's to repeat that word. And her friend or her husband or whoever is her support person at that time is to think about something in their own life where the statement, you can't have it, would apply. So maybe the partner says, I want it. And she's thinking about, I want fidelity. I want a man who's going to be loyal. And the support person says, you can't have it. But she's not saying you can't have fidelity and loyalty. She's really saying whatever applies to her own life. So maybe she would say, you can't have it. And that would be, you can't have my dignity. Or you can't have my body. Or you can't have my job. Or she's talking to her kids, you can't have my sanity. You get the jest, right? So... My client says, I want it. Her friend says, you can't have it. My client says, I want it. Louder. The friend matches the volume. You can't have it. Well, I did this with a couple because he had cheated on her. It was not sexual addiction, but it was definitely infidelity. And they were really working through their problems. And they had a houseboat on Lake Cumberland, states away. And they went down there, and they were sitting on the houseboat. They were having a drink. They were watching the water. My client said, for the first time in a long time, the water brought me such serenity. And they're listening to music, and they're listening to old rock and roll. And all of a sudden, the song from The Who came on, and it's and I don't know if the name of it's I want it, or no, you can't have it. But the chorus goes, I want it, I want it. And then the other part goes, you can't have it. And they both look at each other like the ghost of their therapist is on the boat. And they say, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I was feeling such serenity and carols here. Listen to that song. That's I want it, you can't have it. That's that exercise we did last week, right? And they got such a giggle out of it. And they said, let's get in the water. Let's let's get out of here. And almost as if I was the villain, right? But I had had them do that important anger work. And then, of course, they came back to the session and they told me about it. And they said, gosh, you're everywhere. You know, it's. I hear your voice. I hear you telling me things. You're like, you're like a wise woman, and you're always there. And then that day, 
you were on the radio. And I said, I know it. I am always with you. Because one of my most favorite books ever was a book by Milton Erickson, My Voice Will Go With You. And if you're a good therapist or a good coach, your words of wisdom will resonate with your clients and, and will come back and help them good decisions and help them to know that the decisions that they're making are healthy. Okay, I'm Carol Jurgensen Sheets. Thanks for letting me talk to you about Unleashing Your Power. Again, if you want to come to our virtual workshop, it's May 1st from 9 to 1 Eastern Standard Time. And just email me, and I will send you a flyer and a registration form and set you up for the payment, which I'm not allowed to talk about on the podcast, but it's very affordable for four hours. I think it's a steal deal, especially getting two therapists. You you know me so well, but you will love my cohort, Colleen, Colleen Christine. She is amazing. Um, and she, she's 10 years younger than I am, and she's one of my very best friends. And she says to me, you're really more my mom than my best friend. And I go, I want to be your best. Don't want to be your mother. You get it, right? All right, we'll see you back next week for more Betrayal Recovery Radio. And I want each one of you to absolutely know your own greatness. There will only be one of you at all times, so fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. See you next week.